Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Occasionalists. Matt Pickle here once again, flying the ship solo as we continue on through January, uh, a month that we uh, called The Gatekeepers, uh, taking a look at different things in society and culture that have a high barrier to entry or maybe some people actually um, in place to keep you out of them. Uh, we just talked about artificial intelligence. Uh, we talked about the different branches of it, the particular conversational AI and the AI art generators, and how um, the I suppose the idea of artificial intelligence is kind of it's daunting, and people get some you know people get some images in their head about like uh, machines taking over the world and stuff, and how when you really sit down and like use it and the applications of it and kind of understand it, it's really not that. It's really not that complicated. However, it, it is stuff that is sort of, um, if you're not really into the tech world, it does seem a little bit daunting, and it can be a little bit daunting. And we're not gonna we're not gonna circle back there. We already did a full hour on that, so we are going to advance, move on today in uh, in the Gatekeepers Month, and we're going to talk about gym culture. Now, we're not going to talk about routines or advice. I'm sure no one gives a shit about um, you know what my advice would be for a uh, you know an optimal chest workout or an optimal back workout or whatever and we're not going to get into that but we are going to get into about how gym culture seems like it's it has multiple barriers to entry it has multiple gatekeepers it is there are certain things that make it difficult to understand even um, if especially if you're not someone who is a you know who has been sort of um, in in either that, in either the fitness world or even like the sports world, I think is a good entry to this. And if you're not, if you haven't been into either of those worlds previously in your life, then stepping into a gym for the first time is very, very daunting. Um, each gym has its own, you know, culture and personality. Each gym is a different type of gym. Like there's a different, there's a difference between your um, your average Planet Fitness and LA Fitness, and there's a difference between your average LA Fitness to something like a world gym or a powerhouse gym. Um, there's obviously different types of gyms. You have gyms like Orange Theory. Uh, you have, uh, you know, CrossFit gyms, which don't even go, they call themselves boxes, which gets into another another thing that kind of can sort of make people feel like they're on the out group is that gym culture has its own very distinct language depending on which portion of the gym culture you're interested in. If it's CrossFit, you might hear someone talk about again, like they're going to their box. That's what they call their gyms. Uh, they're doing a Murph. They're doing a you know whatever. Those are like different types of workouts. Um, you know, you might be in in a powerlifting gym, and you hear guys talking about clanging and banging. You hear guys talking about you know they're calling calling each other meatheads. Like there's just like a whole different um, there's a whole different culture, um, or I should say there's many different cultures and subcultures within the gym the larger gym culture itself that really does make it tough to get into and kind of and can kind of be one of the in itself like one of the main barriers to people getting into it so that's what we're going to be covering today that's what we're going to be jumping into um i I do want to start off by talking about some of the reasons that people avoid the gym and i'm going to call them i haven't separated here into good reasons bad reasons and then the gatekeeping reasons which is like what we're obviously going to be getting into in more in depth so just to start off here, I want to have the CDC study here. It was published in 2022, but it was based off of 2020 um, statistics from, or, uh, yes, 2020 data from the National Center for Health Statistics. And basically it's that 75% of Americans do not get enough exercise. Of this, and this is um, adults, you know, 18, over 18, 
and I'm sure there are some people in here that they've I didn't I didn't get the exact study and, and go through all the numbers. I'm sure they excluded certain people with ailments. Obviously, obviously people under the age of 18. I'm sure people over a certain age were excluded, but nonetheless, this is a very large, very significant number of people. Even when you um, remove certain outliers and make certain conditions, this is still a very large number of people. So of that 75%, if you break it down even farther, 22% only meet the aerobic guidelines. 6% only meet the muscular guidelines. Uh, so people apparently will go out and run, but they won't get in the gym and lift weights. But this is where like the kind of the scary number is. 46% failed to meet either guideline, meaning that of this, of this number, the 75% of Americans, the largest individual number the 46% were people who did essentially nothing in a week. You know, the guidelines that they use aren't really that strenuous. And I'm, I'm going to give you a reason to why I don't think this is that strenuous. But um, the to meet these like aerobic and muscular strengthening guidelines, you have to hit 150 minutes per week um, of this type of, of aerobic or muscular exercise. If you break that down, that is a half hour per day for five days a week. That is staggeringly low that is an episode of uh, that is a sitcom episode right that's how long essentially that's how long that is with commercials of course that's how long that is that's that's all you have to do to meet this guideline and you have a number of 40 percent that couldn't even do that and i say that this is a very paltry number because and i i will readily admit to being a and this is this is part of the reason why i wanted to get this i'm a giant fucking meathead um i am i am as nerdy and as fucking Smart and dorky as I am, I am also a massive fucking gym bro meathead. And when I hear that, like the you know the absolute sort of you know the minimum that you should be doing is thirty minutes a day, I am every single morning before work, sometimes after work, depending on um, depending on what I have to do in a given day, I am at the gym for two hours. I on my own in a single day am exceeding those guidelines basically. And the fact that, that there is a significantly large percentage of Americans who can't meet either guideline is very, very staggering and a little bit upsetting to me. Now, there obviously are some people with good reasons for why they are not meeting these guidelines. Um, you know, there are people to start off with. We'll just, you know, I have a little list here. I'll just go through. To start off with, people who have very physically intense jobs, you know, people who are working on construction sites, people who are, um, you know, digging ditches, for lack of a better term, like those kind of heavy physical labor jobs. It's really understandable that doing that for, you know, six to eight, you know, sometimes 10, 12 hours a day, you probably aren't going to be that motivated to get into the gym. And there's a very good chance that you've, the, in the course of your daily work, that you do exceed these, um, you know, these, uh, these health guidelines that the uh, the CDC, the National Center for Health Statistics, kind of lay out. There's a very, very good chance that in the course of your job, you're doing that every single day. Um, so it's understandable for someone who has one of those kind of intense labor jobs that they, it's not really at the top of their list to then like go do more physical labor after after work. Uh, there are people with multiple jobs, right? You know, sometimes people have to, you know, have to hit two, you know, you know, a, a full-time job and a part-time job in one day, maybe two part-time jobs, uh, plus, you know, plus some task grabbing, door dashing stuff, um, you know, during the course of the day, it really sort of, it doesn't, you know, either give them a stable routine to sort of get an exercise or 
you know, they, they just obviously don't have the time or whatever. Um, you know, they, or they don't have like the, I guess you'd say, maybe not the time because we're going to get into that here, but they don't have as, as great of an opportunity, con, you know, depending on what jobs they're going to and what kind of, how many different places they have to go. Um, you know, so maybe, or and maybe in between, they, they are getting to the gym and they are doing some exercise or whatever, but just sort of the nature of their, um, the nature of their, you know, the nature of like having multiple jobs, having part-time jobs kind of keeps them from hitting those goals uh, dead on. Um, they're obviously people who can't afford a gym. That's a, that's a huge sort of road, roadblock there. Um, again, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit, but there are people who can't afford a gym and that definitely is a roadblock to certain, um, to, you know, making an investment into your health on, on certain fronts. But again, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, and obviously there's people dealing with injuries or chronic pain. Totally, un- it's it's very understandable that someone, you know, who has chronic pain from, you know, from a car accident, from a botched surgery, um, you know, people going through cancer treatment, things like that are obviously very good barriers to why they're not getting, you know, they're not meeting the the physical health guidelines. Um, and it's, you know, I've, I've had chronic pain previously and I 100% understand um, why that can keep someone from, from working out. Uh, being in especially certain types of chronic pain just seem to be worse than others. Um, but, you know, not, not to measure anyone's pain against anyone else's pain, but, um, you know, when you're, when you're hurt all the time, when something is, something is just causing you agony all the time, certainly the last thing you want to do is go to the gym. So those are, those are all, pretty good reasons for uh, avoiding the gym, avoiding exercise, whatever. Now, there are bad reasons. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll go through each one here and I'll, I'll explain why I think it's a bad reason. Um, I, I saw this a lot when I was doing a little bit of research for this. Um, a lot of people kind of say, a lot of people say that I'm in good enough shape, right? Like I, I do this, I do this. I'm not overweight. I'm in good shape. Well, Weight isn't the only metric that you measure your health against. Um, there's a lot of, sorry, people who, you know, skinnier people, just because you're skinny doesn't actually mean that you're healthy. Um, there are a lot of people who are, they, you know, they, they don't do anything strenuous. They don't do anything that really, um, requ- you know, is taxing physically. They don't ever, they've never probably really tested themselves physically. So they do kind of feel like they are, quote unquote, in good enough shape, but you know, obviously the CDC disagrees with them and the National Health National Center for Health Statistics dis- disagrees with them as well. But also, if push came to shove and these people had to run or had to do something that required a, you know, that required some strength or required some, uh, some physical stamina, i.e. they had to, you know, they fell down, you know, they're out on a hike or something and fell down and couldn't get back up. Well, you would find out really quickly, I shouldn't say they couldn't get back up, but they maybe they got stuck someplace that would require them to climb out, well, they would probably find out very quickly that they're not strong enough to pull themselves back out of that situation. Um, same thing if they had to go run for help uh, and get someone, you know, get someone, uh, flag down someone to, to call 911 if they didn't have access to a phone or whatever. I know these are, ex- these are some extreme situations, but um, these people who quote unquote are good in good enough shape and don't exercise because they're fine, well, you know, you say that until you have to run someplace and then you'll find out exactly how terrible your cardiovascular health is. So being in good enough shape is a really bad reason because the likelihood is that you're not in good enough shape. And when it comes to sort of really long-term, your, your long-term health, um, 
you know, living well, not just living, but living well into your like 70s and 80s. Strength training, you know, uh, cardiovascular workouts, aerobic training, all of that is just going to help make those those later years much more manageable so that you can do like your regular routines and stuff. But you have to make the investment now. So quote unquote being in good enough shape now, it's just not, it's just not true. Like you were, there's a very, very good chance you are not in good enough shape. Another bad reason, I find it boring. (laughs) What exactly is it that you find boring? It's less that the gym is boring or working out is boring. It's that you haven't found what you like yet. And the only way that you could ever find that is by trying some things out. Um, certainly, I, I totally understand why certain things would seem boring to someone. But there is but there is sort of like this inherent sort of um, feeling of accomplishment and feeling like you're really like you've really done something that comes with exercise and that comes with, work, you know, whatever type of working out you've chosen. And if you don't have, if you haven't found that sort of feeling of accomplishment of making, you know, of your investment, quote unquote, paying off physically for you, then sure, it's going to find, it's going to seem boring until you find the thing that sort of sparks that in you. And then once you find that, you'll find that it is not boring, but you just have to find out what it is. It, maybe it is some, maybe it's, you know, maybe your friend is taking you to the gym to do some bench pressing and squatting and stuff. And you're just not into that. But then you go with another friend to a rock climbing gym and you fucking love that. That's that's when the workout isn't boring anymore. So to just kind of cast a broad net and, and say like, eh, exercising is boring. It's not boring. You just haven't found what you like to do yet. And once you do, you'll find that it is not boring. That even, even something that doesn't seem like it has... Um, you know, the same sort of measurables, you know, like when you squat, you can say like, oh, I, I squatted 215 today, I squatted 315 or whatever it is. Um, even, even though it doesn't have the same measurables, you can, you'll find stuff to measure yourself against in something like rock climbing or something like swimming. You'll find those measurables, those, uh, those metrics to sort of, um, like, okay, like I swam a lap in X amount of time. We have to do it. Now I'm going to try to beat it, whatever it is, you'll figure it out. And that's when exercising will no longer be boring for you. I promise you. The lamest of these bad reasons is I don't want to get hurt. Well, um, does working out come with the risk of injury? Yes, of course it does. So does walking down the street. So does bending down to pick something up. So does driving in your car. Everything comes with some level of risk of getting hurt. Realistically speaking, that risk is very low. Obviously, certain activities, certain exercises can increase your risk of getting hurt. But the reality is that across all types of all types of exercises, fitness, you know, whatever, that risk is very, very low. I think that people just sort of hear the horror stories of like, you know, there are people that have gotten trapped underneath, um, you know, underneath a heavy bench press and have died like that stuff has happened. There are gym fail videos of all sorts of, you know, people leg pressing too much weight. And I don't need to describe what happens to those people when, when the, uh, when the, when the weight is uh, too much for their legs, um, you'll see people squatting too much and, you know, they kind of collapse with weight or people, uh, you know, a lot of times I see people like who are, you know, experiencing Going through dizziness, lightheadedness, they black out while they're uh, trying to hit uh, PRs on certain 
on uh, uncertain uh, movements or whatever. Like that that stuff happens, but it's just it isn't like the reality of things, right? Like a a, a gym fails page with people flying over the place in a CrossFit gym is not like the reality of what's actually going on. In fact, the inverse of I don't want to I don't work out so I don't get hurt. The inverse of that is true. If you don't work out, you will get hurt because your body is just not physically your body hasn't been physically tempered to sort of take on additional stresses. One of the one of the you know one of the leading um you know lower back pain is like the most chronic most common chronic pain that Americans deal with and really people worldwide deal with. And most of those people the vast majority of those people didn't develop their lower back pain from going to the gym. They developed their lower back pain from sitting down and lying down too much because their core, their lower back and their core just isn't strong enough. And it, that, you know, those muscles get made weaker by sitting too much. And unfortunately, most of us have um, significantly more sedentary lifestyles or our jobs or whatever requires us to sit a lot. There have been some days between um, extra work, you know, doing the podcast, whatever, where I'm sitting in this damn chair for like 12, 13 hours. Like it happens, right? Um, but if I didn't exercise, if, if, that's, if that was my life, I didn't exercise and I sat in this chair as much as I sit in this damn chair, I would can assure you that I would hurt my back again. Um, that I would have chronic pain, I would have chronic lower back pain, I'd probably have chronic neck pain uh, from sitting too much. That's that's where the injury comes from. The reason why you get hurt picking up, um, you know, why some people get hurt, like strain of like a hip or strain a hamstring picking up their kids or something like that or picking up something off the ground. It's because they've never trained those. They haven't trained those muscles to be resilient. And that's when people get hurt. Um, you know, even if take all of that out of the equation, lifting weights makes your muscles stronger. Um, it makes your bones denser and stronger. If you have stronger and denser muscles and bones, guess what? You're now covering yourself in armor. Um, not saying that you have to be ripped or anything, but the more muscle you have, the denser your bones have, the more likely you are to, to come away out of a fall unscathed. To um, you know, to exit a, a not very serious, you know, serious car accidents are one thing, but you're more than likely, you know, if you get into a car accident, you're more than likely going to be able to walk away with minimal injuries if you have denser bones and stronger muscles it's just those are just facts and again you the your quality of life is going to go up as you're you know in, in your current age but as you age and as you get older and your later years you're going to your quality of life is going to be much higher because you will be able to bend over to do stuff pick up stuff and again if you do fall when you're 80 years old but if you have a lifetime of of working out behind you, there's a very good chance that your injuries will be very minimal and you'll be able to get yourself up, um, you know, so that, so that the, the fall doesn't then become even worse, which is, you know, what happens to a lot of, uh, a lot of people who are, um, you know, elderly people, octogenarians, I still don't pronounce that right, people in their 80s, 80s plus, you know, that's, it's the fall, but also like sort of being stuck on the ground for an extended period of time that makes the injury worse too. So, all of these, you know, so I don't want to get hurt. Well, like you're, by not going to the gym, you are making the likelihood of you getting hurt. It's not even sort of the likelihood anymore. It's the certainty that you will get hurt goes up drastically. Um, it, it's it's almost going to be a, something in your life is going to go wrong. Not not 20 years down the road, probably in the days or weeks ahead of, ahead of you, something is going to happen to you that wouldn't have 
really been that big of a deal if you were a regular gym goer, if you were getting regular exercise. All right, now let's get into the meat of this episode, the gatekeeping reasons why people do not go to the gym. Now, I I will say, um, you might hear me say exercise or gym kind of interchangeably. And for the most part, a lot of the a lot of the things that I'm going to go over, a lot of things that I have already talked about and covered, do cover exercise at large, not necessarily at a gym. Um, you know, be it an Orange Theory gym, um, you know, a, a, some other kind of a, a CrossFit box, or you know, a, a bodybuilding gym or whatever. Um, these it does expand to a lot of things. There's a, people don't exercise and don't go to gyms for the same reasons, right? So you might hear me say that interchangeably. Still talking about the same thing, but for the rest of the episode, I'm going to sort of contain a lot of the examples and the reasoning to uh, gym culture and the gym itself. So I separated the gatekeeping reasons into two different into two different categories. The first is lack of knowledge, and the second is lack of confidence. I think you can break down all the reasons into these two categories. So I'll go through the lack of knowledge first. Um, and he, so each each one is a reason of its own. Obviously, they're all going to be kind of related, hence why they're under two separate umbrellas here. So our first lack of knowledge gatekeeping reason is that, you know, someone who is new to the gym is not sure how the equipment works, right? Like some of it is is pretty intuitive, but some of it is not. So um, that's the first reason that they're just not sure how the gym equipment works. Um, related, obviously, not sure how certain exercises, how to do them, you know, what, what's the optimal way to do them. Uh, that's that's a huge, huge barrier for a lot of people um, for why they don't go to the gym. You know, they don't want to go in there and look stupid. Um, so, you know, they're not sure how certain, how to do certain exercises. The, uh, the next one is someone is not sure how to put together a routine. Again, this is... Um, this is a very, very common reason why people don't uh, put go full effort into a gym uh, or any kind of exercise routine for that matter is because like how do you how do you know what you should be doing right off the bat? And quite frankly, there is no way to know what you should be doing right off the bat. But we'll get into that. Uh, and then last of our lack of knowledge gatekeeping reasons is new people, especially like if you are if you are a person that says like okay, it's it's January. You know, new new me, you know, new year, new me kind of deal, whatever. Um, you at least this is what I do if I'm if I'm becoming interested in something or I want to try something out. I try to get as much knowledge as I can. And the unfortunate thing is there are a lot of people just spewing bad knowledge or even you know contradictory inf- information, uh, be it social media influencers, you know, fitness influencers, um, clickbait articles, whatever forums, Reddit forums, other forums, whatever. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, I'm not going to call it misinformation, but I'm going to call it contradictory information that people tend to intake a lot of. And we'll get into some specifics for that. Again, I, I don't think misinformation is the correct, is the correct way to characterize it, but I think a contradictory information um, is a better way to put it. So those are the lack of knowledge re- reasons. You're not sure how the equipment works, not sure how to do an exercise, not sure how to put a routine together. And you, you intake a lot of contradictory info. Now, the lack of confidence reasons are, I think, these ones seem like the bigger hurdles. Because when we talk about lack of confidence, you are talking about, you know, the, the psychology of why a, a person isn't going to the gym. So that first, you know, so, that fir- so that's where we're going with this one. Uh, the first 
One is being self-conscious of just about being in the gym in general. Um, there, this, there's a lot of different branches for this one that we'll get into, but that I think is the, is the biggest, probably the biggest barrier that a lot of people face is that they're just self-conscious about being in the gym. The second one, people are self-conscious about their bodies. Um, they, it's, it's one thing to sort of, it's one thing to sort of, you know, deal with your, even people who are interested in exercising, it's one thing to do it at home. and It's another thing to do it in front of other people. Um, especially some of these exercises that are, um, you know, kind of, I, I don't know how exactly how to put this, but they just put more of your body on display in a, and I, I don't mean that in like a sexual way, but like when you're like squatting or something like you are shoving your ass out for everyone to look at, um, shoving your ass and legs out for everyone to look at. You're doing hip thrusts. You are very, you very, you are very suggestively placing a bar across your hips and thrusting it up in the air. Like there are things like that, that, you know, besides the way someone might feel about themselves, but all, you know, like how their bodies look and, you know, maybe someone feels fat or someone feels whatever, but then like some of these exercises additionally can add another layer of body self-consciousness on top of it. And then uh, the last thing I'll get into here with the lack of confidence is this idea of gym intimidation. And this takes a lot of forms, and the way I'll kind of talk about it is more about the people in the atmosphere that can lend can lend um, can lend a negative sort of view of the gym for newer people or people who are not um, familiar with a particular gym, with a particular gym culture, or whatever. That leads to this idea of gym intimidation. So, just to recap here, the lack of confidence gatekeeping reasons are someone self conscious about being in the gym someone self-conscious about their body and then the idea of gym intimidation all right so how do we break down that first barrier the the lack of knowledge when it comes to the equipment um there are first off there are way more pieces of equipment options than you realize just like for example the gym that i go to has seven dedicated machines for back plus attachments and then obviously you know barbells dumbbells you know you can use for back movements if you want there's like a lot to do just for that one uh, muscle grouping a lot of this is just simply to make sure that like one piece of equipment isn't being overwhelmed by people when it gets busy but again there's like a lot of you know that's there's just a lot of stuff basically um some machines are too complicated quite frankly um some of them are kind of unnecessary uh in, in terms of some of the just thinking about some of the machines that were um, not at my current gym, but at one of my old gyms, they had a lot of um, redundant machinery, is what I'll call it. But the good news is, <clears throat> the good news is that uh, a lot of machines have uh, right on them. You'll find little diagrams giving the general movement pattern. Um, uh, I know, I know the the gym that I'm at now. There's like a each each piece of equipment um, in terms of machines, at least, has uh, like a little QR code on it. Uh, that allows you to like track your progress and stuff, but also like gives you gives you a diagram and like has videos and stuff for how like everything is supposed to work. But realistically speaking, a lot of these machines are more so nowadays than they used to be. Most of these most of these pieces of equipment are kind of video proof. Like they they only work one way. Like you you can't sit down like on a hammer strength chest press machine and do something other do something with it other than press press the weight and get the benefits for your chest out of it. It's just really hard to use them incorrectly. So like even if you weren't like 100% sure what a machine did, just sitting down on it and kind of like 
grabbing the handles or, or putting your, your feet in the right spot, you would, you would intuitively just kind of go like, oh, okay, so I'm supposed to, this one is, uh, you know, for this part of my legs because I have, to, I have to bend, you know, I have to, I have to pull my ankles towards, uh, towards my hamstrings. So it's working my hamstrings, um, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, it's, they're very intuitive. They're a little bit more simple than some, some old machines are. Um, if you, I don't know, like I've been going to gyms for quite a long time. And, uh, when I first started going, we had, my old gym had some pieces of equipment that were just like needlessly complicated, um, in terms of the way you could set stuff, the way you could angle things, like it just needlessly complicated. And there do seem to be less and less pieces of equipment like that, which is obviously very good. Um, Second thing is we're we're now we are in such a great inf- age of, uh, of of information being at our fingertips. I can guarantee you these are videos somewhere of someone doing using that particular piece of equipment um, and showing you exactly like how to load it, how to you know what you should be starting with, whatever. Um, there's there is just an instructional video can guarantee it. Take you know find out the name of a machine. Type it into your phone. I can guarantee you there's a video of you, of someone, video for you of someone showcasing that piece of equipment. Now, in terms of the exercises, this is this is where it gets a little bit more difficult because there are so many, there are so many variations on every single exercise. There's different ways to do them, but realistically speaking. I think one of the one of the greatest ways to um, at least for me, like when it comes to when it comes to exercises, I'm I'm a visual learner, and I really like watching. I really like seeing someone at the gym do something before I do it. If it's something new that I'm trying out, um, there's just something about sort of seeing it up close in person that kind of gives you an idea for um, gives you an idea for the the type of uh, intensity you're going to have to go into for the exercise and you know where you know maybe you, at least I can kind of gauge it might be harder for a newcomer but I can gauge like where I might need to start with weight and you know where I want to get to what tweaks I might do whatever so when it comes to you not understanding or not having knowledge on the exercise I think the first thing I would do is just watch people at the gym do stuff um, in a very in a non-creepy way by the way don't like leer or stare but you can watch people do stuff to get a better idea for uh, how to do a deadlift, how to how to bench, whatever. Um, I, I think I just think watching people up close is multitudes better than watching a video on your phone or something. However, same thing as the as the pieces of uh, you know looking up the the videos for pieces of equipment. There are so many videos on on social media, on YouTube, uh, everywhere that will show you how to do the exercise, but that will also cover the different variations. They'll cover rep schemes. They'll cover alternate exercises. Um, you know, you know, maybe you don't want to bench, but hey, or you know, maybe benching isn't like what you what you want to do. But like, hey, you can try this dumbbell press or these push-ups or whatever. There's more options, and like those videos are everywhere. Like we are living through the era of the of the fitness influencer. So I can guarantee you, there's a video available somewhere that will explain, um, you know, how to do almost. You know, there are certain things that you, you're not going to find. There are certain advanced things you're not going to find readily available. But in terms of the basics and even some intermediate kind of skill uh, workouts, guarantee you, you will find a video for them. When it comes to routines, this is a bit harder. This is more about trial and error um, than something you can, than something you can just kind of walk into with day one. 
not saying that you shouldn't have the idea of what you want to do, but this really is something that takes like quite a bit to hammer out. I mean, I've, I, I, I have personally gone through, I don't know how many dozens, possibly hundreds of routines in the 20 plus years, that's actually pushing closer to 30 years now, um, that I've been, that I've been a, a gym regular, that I've been a meathead. And it's really just like, honestly, just like in the last like four to five years that I've settled into, um, I've settled into a routine that benefits, that, that maximizes everything I want to do, gives me enough rest time in, in between, um, you know, in between muscle groups, but doesn't, um, you know, but doesn't like require, doesn't require me taking an entire day off to get that rest time. So like when it comes to routines, trial and error, this is a little bit, a little bit harder, but there are some things, there are some things that you should definitely be on the lookout for. Um, when you are as a new person trying, trying a fitness routine, you're getting something from like a muscle and fitness, men's health magazine, or a social media account. Um, if you're getting a routine from one of those places, like the first thing that I want you to sort of look that you should look out for is how many exercises are in this routine. Because a lot of these, for whatever fucking reason, a lot of these like beginner routines have, I shouldn't say beginner routines, but a lot of these a lot of these, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess they're they're beginner routines, novice routines, whatever. I, I'm sure there's a better term for them. They have so many different exercises in them. It does not make sense. Uh, there was one that I was looking through, doing some research for this the other night. There's one that I was looking through on muscle and fitness. And it was, it laid out the whole week, basically what you're going to do. And I believe it was a four days on, or excuse me, it was two days on, day off, two days on. Um, and then like it, it left the weekend open for like, you know, some like cardio or whatever, but, um, it, let's just, let's just take the first, let's just take the five days of the, of the work week. Um, like your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off, and then Thursday, Friday on there were in those four days, there were more exercises in those four days than I do in two weeks. And I do not take that many, I, I, I would take less days off and still not get to the same amount of individual exercises that this that this routine, um, that this person laid out in this routine, you know, whoever, whoever put it together, it's like way too much to throw at someone who was new to the gym. And that was like the guise of it, it was like, an, kind of, it was kind of like an introduction to that's how it, an introductory workout. And I, I get the, I in general, get the idea behind it. You want to get people familiarized with pieces of equipment or whatever, but I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, a really easy way to sort of get mentally psyched out from the gym is to make it is to have it feel like you're running yourself ragged right away um i'm not saying that you shouldn't try to push hard um and, and work your hardest but like when it feels like holy shit i've done i've done all of this and there's still more to go there is like a mental aspect to it that just like can kind of psych you out and i just don't think i also just don't think you need to be doing that many things in general um i think chum and i did this last year when we covered these um, these celebrity fitness routines, I think I want to say Chema did the the Chris Hemsworth one from you know like the Thor workout or whatever, and I did the um, the Michael B. Jordan uh, Creed workout, and like I noted that there was some it was it was a pretty the Creed workout I noted that was pretty standard on uh, the upper body day, but the lower body day had so much going on. That it was, just, I was just kind of like, holy shit, you, this is way too much for, 
could I do this? Probably. But it just seems like it's a lot of busy work when I could be focusing on putting in a few more squat rep, you know, a few more squat reps, uh, a few more um, sets on deadlift, a few more, you know, sled pushes or whatever, versus kind of trying to stretch it out into multiple. I, I don't have the exact workout in front of me. I probably should have pulled that up, but it was just, it was so fucking busy. It just didn't make sense to me. So that's like something I would look out for. If you, you as a beginner are looking at something and like you, you might have a day here. I'll, I'll just, for example, my typical day, I'll do uh, chest and back on the same day. So I'll, uh, I'll do some incline bench, um, some uh, flat flies, uh, flat dumbbell flies, uh, dumbbell rows for my back, lat pull downs for my back. Um, then I'll work in probably two to three other things, probably really just like two to three other things total in terms of back and chest. So like I'll go through maybe in a full day, go through seven to eight different exercises for both. That's, and that's splitting it up between chest and back. Um, whereas I've seen routines that go through, I've seen like a, a, an upper body routine that goes through like 13, 14 exercises in a day. And I'm just like, that literally makes no sense for you to do that much. Cut that in half. And then just if, you know, instead of doing, instead of doing, like I, like I said, I'll do incline bench, um, flat dumbbell flies, and then maybe something, uh, you know, some like some kind of cable maneuver push-ups or something like that. Um, instead of, instead of doubling the, um, instead of doubling the amount of exercises I'm doing by adding like incline flies or, you know, incline dumbbells, flat dumbbells, instead of doing that, just do more sets. So in, instead of doing the, and I hate that, I hate the set work for most things. I don't, I'm not really sure why we ever agreed to three by eight is like where you should get to, but instead of doing three by eight, do five by 10, um, on, on your incline bench or your flat bench or whatever you're doing more sets, more reps on that exercise will be more beneficial than throwing in four ex- extra exercises on top. So that's, that's like the first thing you should look out for. Just any routine that has a ton of shit in it is just is too much and kind of on the same in the same vein another thing that i wouldn't really suggest for a newcomer first timer are full body routines i i I don't know well i I do know where the need to be efficient comes from we're we're such a fucking um work oriented culture in and task and um event oriented culture it feels like we're not we don't leave ourselves time for stuff so you know like one way to sort of save time is to do a quote-unquote full body routine one i I don't think it's nearly as efficient as you might think um it it is it is busy that's for sure and they they will sort of wear you out but i think but i think the i think throwing a full body routine at someone new um is going to be one of those things that might, again, kind of create a mental block. You are going to be incredibly sore. No matter what the, you know, your first time in a gym or first time really kind of making um, a commitment to fitness, um, you're you're going to be incredibly sore regardless of what you're doing. Now, if you do like multiple quote-unquote full body workouts in a week, your whole body is going to be incredibly sore. And I feel like this that's one of those things that might push people away from coming back. If the workout is if the workout is just like too stupidly intense, then it might be it might be one of those, again, just a mental barrier. And it might be like, holy shit, like this is what workings out, this is what it feels like. 
Whereas when you can compartmentalize the exercises, like I said, I, you know, I'll do chest and back. My chest and back will be very sore, but when I go to do, um, you know, when I go to the, the next day, do squats or deadlift or whatever as, you know, the centerpiece to my workout, well, you know, my chest and back are getting a little bit of work, but they're not being stressed directly. So I can, you know, my, my legs are taking the brunt of it. My core is taking the brunt of it. My hips are. Um, so, you know, like I, I'm not, I, I have, I've given my, I've given my chest and back time to heal. And then the next day I'm going to do, uh, you know, I'll do arms or whatever, or have a cardio day. Um, my chest and back are getting time to heal. And now my legs are getting time to heal. And that's sort of the idea of, of it again, it, I'm not saying this is right or wrong necessarily, but I just think that sort of throwing the kitchen sink at someone who's new and giving them, giving them this sort of, giving them this complete body punch is something that might keep them from coming back. And the last point here, the contradictory information. Um, so this is something I find, I find very, very funny. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with, a lot of it just has to do with the way writing gets done now uh, for certain websites, especially these fitness websites that are competing for clicks and everything. You have people who are not really, you have people writing fitness articles who are not fitness experts. They're, People writing articles for clicks, um, they're probably writing multiple. I, I'll, I'll let you a little bit behind the doors of what I do for work. I employ, you know, I, I don't personally employ people, but some of the people on my team are writers who are writing multiple articles uh, per day. Sometimes in fifteen to twenty articles per day or more, uh, depending on uh, on how long they're uh, on the clock for, if you will. Um, so it's for different purposes, but the writing is basically the same. Like we we actually look for these people. When we're hiring these people, we actually do look for them um, to see if they have this sort of writing experience. And a lot of their writing experience goes back to writing for multiple websites. Uh, like they, you know, someone will write for um, Muscle and Fitness, but they're also writing for CNET. And they're also writing for, um, you know, some other, you know, entertainment blog or something like that. And between those three, they have to produce, you know, five to six per, you know, per website per day. So... You ha- so what happens, and where I'm going with this, what happens is you have a lot of articles that are just, it, it's not, they're not writing it from an expert opinion, they're sourcing information. And when you source information, you can kind of get some, I want to call it, again, not wacky stuff, just contradictory information. Just for example here, I, I was on muscleandfitness.com looking up some articles because I, I knew I wanted to go this direction with this. So I just looked up a uh, hammer curl. A hammer curl is when you take a dumbbell and you hold it like in a neutral grip or, you know, like essentially you're not holding it. Um, if you if you saw it, it would look like you're holding a hammer, basically. That's the that's the angle you want to hold the dumbbell with. And it kind of makes your arm and the, the dumbbell itself look like a hammer with like the hammer head. Um, so anyway, <clears throat> I looked up hammer curls. And in mus- Muscle and Fitness, um, I want to say separated by two or three articles, you had one muscle and fitness article telling you why you should not hammer curl, why it's a waste of time and here are the better alternatives. And then again, like two or three articles down was an article about hammer curls, why hammer curls are great, why they should, they're definitely a benefit and why you should do them on the same website written by two different authors. I didn't see the, the dates on them. I'm sure they were a couple of days apart at least, but when, when you have websites that again, that are just sort of, um, and one of their fitness websites, and they're just sort of 
producing as much content as they can for clicks, not necessarily for the benefit of you or anyone else out there. You, that's when you get this contradictory information, right? There's also a lot of bad stuff on social media that, or I should say, there's a lot of stuff in social media that it isn't bad, but it's not really meant to be taken seriously. Um, I, I, I'm thinking in particular, I just saw this recently, but I've seen this video a couple of different times. Um, there's these two really attractive women doing a workout. And everyone in the comments is saying, hey, you know, they're tagging their friends. Like, we should try this. Um, these women are doing um, sort of like assisted air squats. Um, they're doing, I don't know, like, honestly, it, it's just kind of, they're moving. They're doing movements. But is this really a workout? Not exactly. This workout is purely for the male gaze. Um, there's a, and... <laughs> I suppose a lot. I suppose most female fitness influencers and female female oriented fitness pages really are turning up the sex appeal for the male gaze. I would guess that if you were to go on most of these pages um, with you know with a female fitness influencer, that probably well more than half their audience is male, and the people commenting and liking are mostly men. But this workout in particular was very much for the male gaze. They were wearing really tiny bikinis. They were bumping asses. They were shoving their chest at the camera. Like, okay, fine. Like, physical movement is great. But, like, this isn't a workout. This is just to get men to click on stuff. So, you have this... So, while this isn't inherently contradictory in the same way that my muscle and fitness example is, it is sort of like... These women aren't promoting a workout. They're just promoting themselves. So you have a lot of that. This a lot of that exists, and it's not just women doing it. There are plenty. There are plenty of uh, male fitness influencers who are uh, promoting their physiques, promoting their brands, or whatever, over promoting what an actual good exercise looks like. So you just run into that a lot. Like, how do you separate the good from the bad? I mean, I think this is why I didn't want to call this misinformation because. Like to to again to circle back to the hammer curl example, yeah, hammer curling isn't the most efficient use of curling necessarily, but when you when you combine it with certain when you combine it with certain other movements, um, in, I remember seeing recently seeing uh, a fitness influencer that I follow, um, Jeff Cavalier, uh, goes by Athleen X on uh, on all all the socials, um, showed a showed a little bicep burner that included. Supinations, uh, it's when you curl and you turn um, you turn your pinky in towards your body. It's hard to explain. Obviously, this is a podcast. It's great for visual explanations. Um, a supination is when you turn your pinky in towards your body. Uh, then you pronate. You turn your pinky out away from your body while you do a curl. And then he was, so he was doing supinations, pronations, and then finishing off with a hammer curl, which is the in-between, the neutral grip. You don't turn your hand or your arm in any direction while you curl. So... Well, and so while you, so while it's not like, again, hammer curling isn't the most efficient use of, of, isn't, isn't the most efficient or isn't the most max, I guess the, the most maximal use of your bicep necessarily, but it still can be effective. Um, it's effective for, in stuff like that. It's effective if you want to, um, overload your curl, right? It's, it's with, with your wrist, not taking the brunt of like how you think how people normally curl with, uh, palms up either holding a bar or holding the dumbbells like that. 
that's how you generally think about it as a curl. Uh, the hammer curl is in a neutral position. And so because you're not getting the same stress on the wrist and the same stress on the forearm, you can kind of overload a hammer curl to do more weight. So there's a benefit to the hammer curl. So, so my point here is that this information can be contradictory when you see something like, don't do this because of this. And then you'll have another article like, do this because of this. It's very contradictory. You should kind of just try those things out for yourself. And maybe you don't like certain things. Like I I am, I, I like doing, um, when I do my heavy shoulder presses, I do them with dumbbells. I really don't like to do it with, um, with a straight barbell, you know, like in a military press or something like that. Uh, I really don't, don't really like to do overhead presses that much, but I'll do Viking presses, um, you know, which is the variation on the overhead press. So, you know, it, it's, it's really just sort of up to you to kind of figure out whether or not ignore the, this is if I'll tell you what, there's a huge red flag. If someone you read an article that tells you a particular movement is bad for you, then don't take that very seriously. Um, it's just, it's just clickbait, um, attention, attention, eye grabbing kind of headline or, or, um, you know, byline or whatever. Uh, like it's, it, there are, there are very few exercises that are quote unquote bad for you. And if they were really bad for you, no one would do them. Um, there's just ones that are more or less beneficial. That's all. But it's one of those things you kind of have to try out for yourself. Um, ignore the, ignore the, ignore the noise and ignore the, the contradictory information and just try it out for yourself. One big piece, the one I, I didn't, I didn't put this in cause I could have talked about this for every single one of these, but like the one single piece of advice I would give to everyone f- to combat like their, their lack of knowledge, you know, in terms of overcoming that particular barrier uh, in the gym is just to ask someone in the gym Obviously, this could be in the form of like a personal trainer or something like that. Um, but I, I will say that like nothing wrong with a personal trainer, but they have like a very particular, I don't want to call it an agenda. That's a bad way to put it. But they have a very particular idea for like what they what they want to start you on. Um, whereas I'm, I'm much bigger into asking someone at the gym, um, especially walk up to the big stupid beatheads like me. We are pleased as punch to tell you how to do something, to show you something, to answer questions, whatever. Like, like I literally dream about this shit. And so, like, it makes me really fucking happy when someone comes up to me and wants to talk about it with me because, like, I just don't have that opportunity that often to talk about people, to talk about, to talk about lifting with people that often. Um, obviously, you know, people that I'm friends with in the gym or whatever, we talk every now and then about stuff. But, like, very rarely do I get to like impart knowledge on someone and the, the big meathead bros, the, the most like ripped chick in the gym. I can guarantee you that we are all fucking waiting to tell you and talk to you about like whatever, whatever question you have, we are just fucking ready to answer it. And I, I think, and I think what I, what I really kind of value getting this kind of insight over, again, nothing wrong with getting a personal trainer. In fact, I would probably, if you are, very very new to working out maybe you should get a personal trainer for at least a couple of sessions but once you kind of get beyond needing that personal trainer talk to talk to all the all the gym bros and and all the gym sues and i can guarantee you their sort of practical experience doing a lot of different exercises 
um, doing different, um, you know, physical disciplines, be it like powerlifting, CrossFit, some of them are bodybuilders, you know, whatever it is. Um, it, probably a lot of people have tried CrossFit too. There's like a whole wealth of knowledge that comes from experience that they are just, they and me are just more than happy to talk to you about. So that's like the overriding piece for all of these things is talk to someone in the gym, literally find the biggest mf -er in there, and I just guarantee you they'll have a whole, you, you might ask something as simple as, hey, I did this on bench, what do you think I should do next? I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to get like a thesis on what you should do. You know, if, if your if your previous um, personal best was like 185 pounds for like a set of one, you're going to get you're going to get a whole lot of information thrown at you um, for like what you should do next. Should you go up to 225? Should you stick there for maybe multiple? Whatever it is, someone's going to have an idea for you and they're going to be happy to, to kind of go through it with you, probably help spot you and more than likely hype you up too. like something I'll, I'll get into as we get into the next one, the lack of confidence stuff. But um the 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 biggest strongest people in the gym are the ones that are the ones that are happiest to be there um and the ones that are happiest to talk to other people about being there i can guarantee you that that's why they're so damn big trust me on this one all right now let's dive into talking about a lack of confidence uh in going to the gym as a reason why people might not want to join a gym or you know go exercise uh in general but uh, you could you could kind of all wrap all of these things that I'm going to go through um, up into one. But I think they are different facets of the same problem of the same lack of confidence. Um, so let's talk about self conscious about you know someone self conscious about being there in general. Um, anytime that we walk into a new situation or a new experience, we feel like we're out of place, right? Like there's. Uh, maybe not quite imposter syndrome might not be the best way to put it, but like think about the, you know, when you first went to like middle school or high school, especially how that the, like how the, the comforts of what you had been experiencing years prior in your school experience were kind of thrown out the window as you moved on to this new experience. Um, you know, high school is like a high school is this like scary kind of intimidating place. And like you, you probably, you know, at that point in your life had seen, some movies and TV shows that have this like very particular, um, this very particular bend in like what high school life is like, and you know, so the, you know the the sort of the unknown quantities and like what you do know, kind of coming from pop culture, sort of fill in this fill in this picture that probably isn't very accurate and kind of can kind of make you nervous. That is absolutely true with the gym. The gym is exactly that kind of place where people have who have never gone before. Or you know their their experience is very limited. Have a very particular view of what the gym is through pop culture, through things that they've seen on social media, through other people's experiences or whatever. And you know that gets this, so their own un, uncertainty and unknown you know unknown uh, what they don't know about it kind of gets filled in with this sort of pop culture idea of what the gym is, and it can kind of create this issue where like it just you, you know you don't feel like maybe you don't really belong there, right? And, you know, think about it this way, too. New people are entering a space in which they are not part of the in-group yet. Like, it, it, when you first join a gym, you know, you're a new member to a gym. It, it, take that back. Let's rewind this. When you join anything um, for the first time and you're a new member anywhere, um, it, you know, whether it's the gym or whether it's, um, you know, you, you signed up for uh, some kind of, uh, they're like they're the Cuyahoga Valley National Park 
by me has like these uh, has like these adventure classes and things like that that you have to sign up for. Even signing up for that, something that is like sort of geared towards new people and you know bringing people into the fold uh, in terms of getting them interested in in our national park and getting them interested in nature. Even something like that can be kind of intimidating um, if you've never done it before. And so, like it, it, this, this excuse me, this applies to people who are starting the gym. Like it's they are not they are inherently not part of the in group. So there's just like a, again like a little speed bump there. And then you know this also this can even apply to people who maybe are regular gym goers, but they're graduating from a commercial gym into a real gym. Um, I, I'm not gonna not to like shame anybody that goes to like Planet Fitness or Curves or something like that, but there's definitely a gym hierarchy, and uh, like a Planet Fitness is totally fine, but it's on the same level as like a small community rec center uh, or something like that, uh, a hotel gym basically, um, or like a workplace gym. That's kind of really realistically speaking, that's kind of what Planet Fitness is. It's just bigger. Um, it's obviously going to Planet Fitness is better than not going at all, obviously. But if you are like a serious kind of gym person, you'll find that at some point in time, you're going to need to get on to, you're going to need to move up to something else, uh, be it a CrossFit box, be it a, a powerlifting gym, something that is something that there's, there are, again, there's a gym hierarchy. And uh, once you really begin, once you get serious about it, you do kind of tend to leave the, you then you you do tend to leave sort of the bottom rungs of this and move your way up to um, to something else. So even so even someone going from a Planet Fitness to um, a you know you're someone going from a Planet Fitness to go work out at the uh, um, you know the Gold's Gym in Venice Beach that would be like a complete and total culture shock for that person. So you know it it does apply to many many people, but certainly the new people going into the gym the first time are going to have this sort of feeling of just man, I, I can't believe I'm here. This doesn't feel right. I, I just don't belong here. So some things to remember when it comes to this is that everyone else was new to the gym at one time. Everyone else that goes to your gym was new there at one point in time. Um, you know, whether it be at that particular gym or at some point in time in their life, they were new to the gym. And, you know, there are probably other new people there too. Like you're not alone. Right, like you, especially if you're one of those New Year's resolutioners, um, God bless you. Um, just you know, kind of get out of my way when you are there. But um, if you are a New Year's resolutioner, there's probably several other people going at the time that you're going that are new there too. Um, so you're not alone in that aspect. Uh, and and again, as this is like the overwhelming kind of thing that I could I could literally say at the end of everything that I'm talking about. More people there are willing to help you than you expect. So, you know, remember all that. You know, you're just, there There are people there that are ready to help you, be they trainers or just uh, regular gym folks. They are, they are there to help. Trust me on that one. Now, when it comes to this idea of like poor body image, kind of influencing whether or not someone goes to the gym, this is something that for sure a lot of people have dealt with. So, you know, so obviously this is like an ongoing battle for a lot of people. But the thing is, it's like regardless of their body type and fitness level, right? Like you might, you know, you an, an overweight person might be going to the gym to to lose weight, and that's I think that's kind of generally where we where our minds go when we think about like people with poor body image issues. Um, you know, and 
certainly, you know, you you having like a bigger, heavier body as someone who was, I'm still like a big person, but um, as someone who was significantly bigger and heavier as a, as a kid, going to the gym does have this very, um, has this feel to it like, like, oh shit, everyone's looking at me because like I'm not in shape. Um, you know, there is that. Then, like I said, I think that's where most of our minds go in general. But there are people who maybe who are lean, um, who are very thin, and that's why they're going to the gym. They're going to the gym to sort of fill their body out because they just don't feel big enough. So there are people sort of on the opposite end of the spectrum who are, who are, you know, they walk into the gym and it's sort of like, oh man, everyone's looking at me because I'm scrawny, because I'm so little, and like all these people are so much bigger than me. So this so you know so there are like two sides to this and you know i, I can get into the, there i could get into people who have um body dysmorphia and everything else i'm sure i think that every real serious gym person has like just a little touch of body dysmorphia disorder um i know i do but uh i'm i'm fine it's fine don't worry about it but so you know this this whole poor body image issue can just really be exacerbated um, by being around people, you know, being around certain body types in the gym, um, again, whether it be thin people, strong people, you know, whatever, whatever it is that, uh, that this, you know, someone might find triggering, there's just a lot of it suddenly, um, there's just like a lot more of it suddenly in the gym than you might be dealing with in your everyday, in your everyday life. You know, if you, if you are working in a job that is kind of sedentary, there might be more people around you that aren't in the best of shape or who are maybe on the scrawnier side because they don't work out. And then you go to someplace like a, especially if it's like a more serious gym, you go in there and there are some, just some massive ripped people. And so that can definitely be very triggering for some people. Uh, the exercises themselves, this is maybe something you don't really think about it, but think about, but the, the exercises themselves can also be triggering, right? Like most movements aren't that aesthetically pleasing when someone was is doing something, you know, their bodies get scrunched up. Uh, like I know, like when I, um, when I'm doing like a heavy deadlift day, my belt is giving me this bizarre sort of like top roll on, on my gut that, and it does it for everyone. Like thin, unless like, you know, someone's very thin who's, who's deadlifting. If you're just kind of like a, nor even like a regular sized person, um, you know, like a weight belt really kind of cuts into your body and makes you look kind of funny. Um, things like, um, you know, some of the, uh, some of the other lifting accoutrements, some of the contraptions and stuff that are, that are designed to help like hit certain muscle groups or whatever. Like they're kind of odd to, um, as I mentioned, I think I've talked about hip thrusters before and it's, it's not particularly flattering to look at. Um, you don't look good when you have all this weight sitting on your crotch. Um, it, it's, it's just, it's just one of those things that I guess I don't really think you, especially as you as you become more seasoned, that you don't really think about necessarily. But like, take a picture of yourself while you're squatting or something, and you know, just got. I mean, like, goodness, look at your face and look how like oddly crunched up your body is, and like your gut is, and like how distended some of you know how distended your midsection looks. Um, it's just, it's something you don't really think about. But like, again, as a new person walking to the gym, you might be looking at this and going like, man, that's that's just sort of like boy that just doesn't look it doesn't you know do i look that bad essentially like when i'm doing that do i look that bad when i'm whatever it's just it's something that certainly um certainly that i've thought about before and i it's something that i think about because like i am sort of watching my own um when i do like my powerlifting movements i am watching myself 
to see like how my form looks to see you know make sure or to see like how fast i'm moving through something to make sure i'm hitting depth or you know whatever it is and i kind of gloss over it but then like when you go back and look at yourself like when i'm when i'm bench pressing or something like i look like a fat beached whale um as do a lot of people as they just kind of lie there on the bench it's just not something that like you just don't look good while you're doing it so i think that can be kind of um, that can kind of exacerbate the idea of like a of a poor body image issue or someone having poor body image issues, um, you know. And then the movements themselves, I think I mentioned this before about how like they kind of it so they kind of do funny things to your body and they're not very aesthetically pleasing. But also your body's on display, and and that might might that might make people feel very uh, uncomfortable as well. Um, you know, we've all seen like the gym vids with like a super attractive woman doing squats or hip thrusters and all the men nearby politely look away. Right. Like, so there is, there is that aspect of it too, where maybe people don't feel comfortable, uh, you know, doing a, you know, doing a squat, doing a hip thrust, doing, um, uh, on a bent over rows or something, just cause they're putting their body out, out in a way that they just aren't really used to yet. Uh, it certainly is a possibility. So again, remember that not everyone walked into the gym in great shape. Um, a lot of people have been working at their body or their strength or whatever their discipline is for years. So you, a new person, are in the shoes of every, literally of every top-end fitness pro on the planet, every intermediate lifter, every single new person to ever walk into a gym anywhere in the world. You have started in the same place, exact same place as them. Um, doesn't matter when, at what point in time in your life you started going. At some point in time, someone walked into that gym and they weren't in their best shape that they are now. And so was that new person. So are you if you're that new person. Uh, just So that's just like important to remember that like, you know, everyone starts as this kind of unmolded uh, lump of clay and it, over time you get to where you got to get to. Um, so, you know, whatever your, whatever your physical condition is, whatever your body looks like going into this, uh, if you stick with it, you can get whatever it is that you're looking for, whether it's to lose weight, whether it's to bulk up, um, to, you know, to quote unquote tone. I hate that. Fuck. I'm not going to use that again to, um, refine your conditioning, refine your muscles, whatever it might be, you can get there, but you, you, you still have to start from zero, just like everyone else. As far as putting yourself on display, just again, remember that a lot of people are doing this stuff a lot of other people are doing stuff in the gym that might be revealing and, or look a little bit ridiculous too. Like you're not going to be the only one there, um, you know, doing squat and like sticking your ass out for everyone to look at. Right. But I can tell you that like really for the most part, and I'm, I'm again, not, I'm not like everyone else necessarily. There's some, there's definitely people like me, but I'm not like everyone else. Like I really can completely focus in on what I'm doing to the point where I don't even notice when people are near me when I'm working out. And that's important because, like, for the most part, people are so focused on what they're doing that they really don't notice you anyway. Um, so, I, I like I understand like why people kind of think about like, oh man, I must I must look like a beached whale while I'm doing this. Because believe me, I have those thoughts too. But when you sort of look around to see like what everyone's looking at, they're not looking at you. They don't give a shit about you. Um, I don't mean that in a mean way. They just like everyone is just doing something else. Everyone is focused on something else um, other than you. Uh, but if you are, again, if you're still kind of worried about this, here's a here's a big tip. No one is going to judge you if you walk into the gym in some huge oversized hoodie and baggy sweats. Like, a lot of people really cover up. Even people that are in really good shape 
will wear like some you know will wear stuff that's like two sizes too big that is a legitimate gym aesthetic especially when you're not in especially away from like crossfit boxes and uh orange theory studios and peloton you know those biking studios and stuff like that people in a lot of in a lot of especially in like more strength oriented gyms people are just wearing baggy clothes um i wear some loose hoodies and some baggy shorts quite a bit so like you don't feel like you have to cram yourself into lycra or you know or, or you know like you don't have to like go to the gym in like sleeveless shirts all the time just be comfortable like and if you if you really are that self-conscious just go ahead and throw on the big hoodie and the big shorts or the big or the big sweatpants no one is going to care um no one is going to believe me it, it, it's a little less so at my current gym but um at my at some of my past gyms there are some people that were basically wearing like tarps to work out uh, because it was just more comfortable and these were people who were pretty big and muscular and they were still like just in in like I don't know it's like they just like poke some holes into a into like a again into a tarp or a circus tent or something and opted to wear that around. Hey, whatever makes you comfortable, man. But let's get into this aspect of gym intimidation. Uh, and it, obviously, it's again like I, I said, you could kind of roll all of these up into one. But I, I do, again, I do think it's kind of worth touching on these points individually. And gym intimidation is this very real thing where people kind of can get psyched out, intimidated by aspects of the gym, be it the people, the atmosphere, um, you know, some of the some of the 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 supposed kind of um, pressure that they might feel to kind of keep up with other people that they're seeing in the gym, people who are probably in a lot of cases significantly more experienced um, and farther along in their um, you know, in, in, in their, in their, in this particular lifestyle than they are. And it just kind of creates this, um, it kind of creates this feeling of like, boy, I don't think I'm going to come back here because, you know, everyone is so big and strong or everyone is this or that. Like it, gym intimidation is a very real thing. I do think that it's mostly for the most part, it's equal parts miscommunication on behalf of the established gym goers and on behalf of the new people. However, there is definitely an undeniable streak of toxicity that is present as well and i'll get to that last but as far as sort of like the idea of like miscommunication between um new people and the established people um i'll I'll kind of start like with this kind of describing myself i am a loud lifter you will hear me before you see me i am very frequently lifting heavy weights they clang and bang loudly they hit the floor with a lot of force I am grunting and breathing very heavily. That's just how I go about things when I'm when I'm there. Um, only you know, obviously that's not every single workout, but more often than not, I'm doing something uh, that is, you know, that it, that requires a a lot of physical exertion, and I cannot help but like grunt and breathe loudly while I'm doing it. And by the time the set's done, a lot of times or by the time the set's done a lot of times i'm just dropping the weights or if it's something like a deadlift um or some kind of like row or something i'm you know once you you know it's gonna hit the ground hard anyway um so so that's so that's like the type of lifter i am i am very very loud and i'm not the only one um some nights when i go into the gym there are three four five or six other people like me who are really 
um, getting into what they're doing and are kind of loud about the, the work that they're doing. So you can imagine how on some nights where there are like four or five of me in the gym, how that might seem intimidating to someone not accustomed to that aspect of gym culture. You know, someone walks in and there's like three or four dudes, um, you know, back in the in the back end squatting and deadlifting and benching. And like the weights are just being slammed around. The There's a lot of grunting and yelling at each other to, to get one more rep or whatever. Um, it's not like alpha macho bullshit. That's just like how lifting works when you're really working at, at, with heavy, heavy loads continuously. Uh, it, it, there's just a lot of physical exertion. And when you, you know, think about that time that you, you had to go pick up something super heavy or that you weren't prepared for like the weight or how, how heavy something's going to be. You had to move a piece of furniture or something like that. Did you quietly maneuver it into place and, and get on with it? Or did you grunt and groan and tell people, you know, like, hold on, I got to get my grip. I got to do this. And it feels like you're, oh, you're doing this the entire time. Right. Imagine that, but with like five or 600 pounds on a deadlift, like you, (laughs) you good, you know, you're the sort of like politeness and good graces go out the window. You're just going to like grunt and groan until you get that weight up in a place. And then when you're done with it, you're going to put it down really heavy, um, really loudly, I should say. That's just like how it works. That's just how it works for a lot of people like me that that are lifting that heavy. And again, like that has to be very, very intimidating for people who aren't into that kind of lifting or or who are new to the gym. Another thing that is that is it's so fucking embarrassing, but this is very true. The gym can also be very, very clicky. Um, there are groups that groups of people that separate themselves voluntarily. And it's not like it's it's you know it's not like there's some kind of like um, it's not like antagonistic by any stretch of the imagination. But you have power lifters and strength training people that t- kind of tend tend to hang out with each other and talk to each other. You have the bodybuilders and the aesthetic people that kind of tend to hang out and run with each other. Um, there are the casual people who are just you know trying to lose weight, get into better shape, whatever. Um, there are the pe- people more focused on uh, athletic and sports training. When you're new to a gym, you're not in any of these groups yet. So it does have this, there is this feeling of um, being the new kid in school or to to kind of go back to like my high school kind of analogy. It feels like the first day in high school, like you are the new kid coming in. uh, You're the freshman coming in and everyone else, even the sophomores have kind of established some kind of, uh, some kind of culture of their own. Obviously the juniors and the seniors have had more time to do that. So their culture is significantly more established, more refined. And you're coming in without any kind of, you know, without being informed by any kind of culture other than the one that you just were forced to leave. So when you join a new gym, you are kind of, you are kind of um, going into this, um, you're kind of going into this like sea, uh, this like rough sea of like, boy, which, which boat do I climb onto? Which, which, which ship do I latch myself onto? Um, Kind of like, actually, you know, maybe better than uh, the high school analogy would be like your first day at a college campus. You're trying to figure out who's going to be cool to hang out with. Maybe you want to join an organization, you know, be it Greek, be it a Greek organization or some other kind of club or something like that. Maybe you want to try to play a club sport. There's like all this stuff that you have to figure out and it you know, you don't know right away until like you kind of sample things basically. Um, and so there's a definitely a little bit of that kind of feeling at play here when you are the new person joining a new gym. The gym itself also has a very particular atmosphere, regardless of the groups present within it. 
Um, I personally, I go to a gym that caters to a lot of people. Um, there's sports training, there's self-defense classes, there's lots of powerlifting options, but the gym is definitely geared more towards bodybuilders. Uh, the guy who owns the gym was a high-level national competitor himself back in the 1980s and 1990s, um, and he still he's still very involved in the bodybuilding world. He organizes all of the bodybuilding shows in my region. Uh, he and he and a he and a few others uh, are are the are the the key organizers between uh, behind um, basically any any big time bodybuilding show in Ohio or uh, or Pennsylvania. So the atmosphere and makeup of my gym is very different from when I first started out, which was a very hardcore strength training gym and boxing gym. Um, so just to kind of give you like a little juxtaposition here, my current gym, the lighting is superb. It's very bright. Uh, the music's pretty pleasant. There's a posing room. If you want to go check out your muscles, it's just a room literally set up. Obviously it's got uh, mirrors on either side. Um, actually just, uh, just on the one side. Um, but it, you know, full length, you know, tall mirrors or whatever going across the whole stretch of this room. It also has little um, markings in the floor so you can kind of cue uh, where you're going to pose, how you're going to, you know, what point you're going to walk to as you pose to show off certain muscle groups, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, most of the trainers have a background in bodybuilding and coaching. So their clients tend to have routines that are a little bit more about aesthetics. And quite frankly, the clientele is pretty damn good looking. Um, there's, there's a lot of very um, aesthetically pleasing people that go to my gym. The first gym I ever went to was kind of dank and dark. Uh, it had a perpetual kind of funky smell that was like one part heavy industrial cleaner and one part sweat. Um, people used to make and bring in their own equipment. Um, this one guy in particular who uh, I haven't seen in a while. I, I hope he's I hope he's still alive. I'm sure this guy will outlive 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 us all. Uh, he's like pushing 80 years old and he's still in the gym, um, you know, leg pressing and squatting and doing all that stuff. Um, but uh, he used to bring in to, to our old gym, he used to bring in like all these like, uh, he, I can't remember exactly where he worked, but he did like metal fabrication. So he made all these like specialized handles for lat pull downs for, um, he made these like specialized handles for doing different kind of barbell rows. Um, he helped make this uh Iron T barbell row, this like big contraption, you could load a lot of plates onto it. Um, the the dumbbells went up to 180 pounds. The music was loud and intense. The clientele was a lot of big dudes. Um, actually, like a, a lot of the um, whenever the WWF was in town for uh, for like a month back then, it would just been would have been Monday Night Raw. They used to do um, two weekend house shows, and so like when they came in, you know, they would come in like on a Thursday and. Uh, my gym was like the gym where all of the uh, all the, uh, the the wrestlers would come to work out on Friday and Saturday before you know before their um, before their matches. Uh, there was a lot of steroid needles in the bathroom floor and on the trash and in the trash. Um, like that's that's just like the that was the first kind of gym that I went to. And all of this to say that you can see like the the, the difference in the two gyms. And all of this is to say that like the gyms themselves have an atmosphere. Or a personality that might not be for everyone. You, it, there is no like exact way to figure this out until like, you step into the, one of these gyms. But like once you, I think that sort of the the sort of the sort of atmosphere kind of um, once you find the correct atmosphere for you, the gym will seem more welcoming, right? Like once you find the right flavor, boom, you found your gym. 
Now, the toxic streak is a real thing, though. This is part of the reason why I changed gyms a few years ago, and I'm extraordinarily happy I did. There were a lot of people who were just outright creeps. Uh, they would constantly leer at women working out um, to the point where, like, we kind of knew um, we kind of knew exactly who all the creeps were. Like, uh, my one friend, his younger sister, worked at the gym and obviously worked out at the gym. And she just, like, would keep a running tab of the people that would would very would very creepily check her out while she worked out certainly is a really good looking woman um again another person i haven't seen quite a long quite a long time but like there's you know if your eyes are wandering in the gym like they're wandering in the gym it, it happens like we all kind of everyone has looked at someone in the gym at one point in time um but there is a difference between like sort of glancing over at someone and in this case, there was, a, she recalled this time where this older guy, while well, she was working on, I, I want to say it was like a, a shoulder press machine or something. This guy just sat down at a machine that was across from this and just watched her work out. Like that is, that is unhinged creepiness. Um, and it, it's just, it, imagine how uncomfortable that makes someone who is a, you know, especially a woman who is a regular gym goer feel let alone a new fucking person how that would make them feel there was also this clique that included some very extremely unsavory people there was a, a guy in this group who used to brag about how he like would threaten women that he first met out and about i have zero idea why you would ever brag about that or why would why you would even do that but this is also the same guy who bragged about how he would try to start fights with people um in the gym over dumb things like whether or not someone was using a particular weight or, or something like that, or whether or not someone should have, you know, whether or not, like, he was at the squat rack first. He would try to start fight, fights with people over that kind of stuff, and he would brag about it to his, to his little uh, group of friends. Uh, the gym staff was unbothered by everything. <laughs> like, they didn't care about the condition of the gym, uh, which wasn't really ever in bad shape, but it was a 24-hour gym. Which means, and it wasn't staffed 24 hours, which means there was a solid like 8 or 10 hour chunk or something like that where people would just come in and do whatever the fuck they felt like. Um, so the gym staff wasn't bothered by the condition of the gym. They rarely acknowledged anyone as they walked in or out. Uh, there was one woman in particular who, in the I want to say I went there for, went to this gym for five years. She never said anything to me. She would stare at a trashy romance novel or sit at her laptop uh, and would just never say anything to me or anyone that ever walked in. And it turned out that she was the general manager. If the general manager of the fucking gym does not care about you walking in or out, um, that's a that's a red flag and a half. I really think the only time that she talked to me was when I canceled my membership. It's the only time I can ever recall us saying anything to each other. That is a big fucking red flag when the person who is quote-unquote in charge of the day-to-day -day operations of the gym doesn't say hi to any of the clientele now this is not the norm like that that was this was literally the only time that i felt this toxic gym culture and i felt like i had to go someplace else literally the only time i've changed gyms for other reasons like you know the price um wanting better equipment um you know or whether or not i you know i moved um you know that, that's caused me to change gyms before but you know, the idea, you know, that was like the first time I ever thought like, this place really sucks. The people really suck. I need to get out of here to go someplace that doesn't suck. That was literally the only time I've ever done that in my life. 
I've been going to gyms for 26, 27 years now. Um, but just because that is rare, it doesn't mean it's not a real thing. But I think this is something you can get a feeling on pretty quickly when you meet the staff and especially when you get to know the regulars. Like those people that I'm talking about, the, the creepy, leering people and the, the guy who apparently likes to threaten women, those were like the everyday notable regular people. And if if the vibe you get from them is that, and if the vibe you get from the staff is we don't care, red flags. There's This is probably a gym with a very fucking bad culture. Um, if those people don't rub you the wrong way, and like I love my gym now. The, the regulars are good people. Um, the, the gym staff is fantastic. I have a conversation with the guy that owns the gym. Pretty much whenever we're in there at the same time, we stop and talk about something. Whether it's lifting, uh, whether it's work, whatever. We have a conversation. Um, I've had more conversations in the past several years going to that gym with uh, with not only the gym owner, but other people on the gym staff than I had in the in the five years prior at, at my old gym. Um, so I think that's how you can kind of gauge whether or not uh, you're, you're in a toxic environment. Um, and, you know, if you do kind of really jibe with the um, with the with the regulars and you jibe with the staff, I, I think you're you you have a pretty good chance at being in a, in, a, in a low toxicity environment, if you will. But there's always someone um, there's always someone out there who's out there. There's always someone in the gym that's out there to make everyone's day worse. But that's true at the workplace. That's true when you go into your favorite bar or your restaurant. That's just fucking life. There's always someone there that is out to make your day just as miserable as their day. All right, I think I've covered everything that really I wanted to get to in terms of the in terms of the gatekeeping reasons uh, that people might not go to the gym and why you really shouldn't why you shouldn't be um, why you shouldn't hang on to those reasons. That the, the, really, when you cut into it, um, there's more reasons to go than there are to not go. And even the reasons that you can kind of the reasons you can kind of push into your head about why you shouldn't go really aren't that big of a deal, or they're very very overblown. Um, the gym is a great place. It's again, I, and I will say this: I am speaking it from the from the point of view of a complete and total gym bro meathead. But um, you know, it is it is one of those places that um, that like I really found something that I really like in my life. That like this is this has been something that I'm going to be doing. I know that I'm going to be doing as long as I can do it. Hopefully, that's well into my 80s. Um, there's a couple of guys at my gym that are. Uh, 81, 82 years old that are there uh, three to four days a week. And I hope that I am, and they, they look, they, I can tell you right now, they do not look like they're 81, 82. That's for sure. And they move around real well. They're very, very healthy for their age. I hope that that's where I'm at when I'm this age, when I'm that age. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that's a big part of it. But also I just really love, I, it's one of those things I found out something that is more than a hobby. It's a lifestyle. It's something that I really like to do. It doesn't, now this is, all this advice is about sort of like breaking down the walls and just getting to the gym. But it really, it's not just about the gym. It's about anything that you, it's about doing anything physical, right? Maybe, maybe CrossFit, maybe powerlifting, maybe, um, you know, getting into bodybuilding isn't for you. But unless you like go out and try something, you'll never know like what your, what your preferred physical fitness thing is you never know what your lifelong commitment to fitness is going to be if you don't try something like i said maybe you go do all the gym stuff and you're kind of you're, you're feeling it a little bit but it's just it doesn't quite scratch the itch and then you go one day you go to a climbing gym and then like holy shit i fucking love doing that like that you immediately hit you that you love doing this 
maybe you um fuck maybe you just go um you just get into basketball or tennis or something like that and it turns out like oh man like this is what i want to do i want to get you know i'm not just i just want to go it's not that you just want to go a couple times a week and play tennis it's like all right well i'm going to get into it i'm going to figure how do i train for tennis is you know i, I got to do my cardio if i want to get better at tennis i got to get i got to do certain um there's certain exercises and things that can help you get better with your court movement and stuff like that. Same with basketball. It's not just, you know, you don't just like necessarily show up and, and play basketball. You practice. You practice your, you know, your shooting. You practice dribbling drills. You practice, you know, your mobility drills to get your feet quicker. Um, once you find whatever it is that you like to do physically, and once you find like whatever that sort of fitness tent pole for the next however many years of your life is going to, you know, it's going to be. Um, that's when you really start to like fall in love with the process and fall in love with all the the practices, all the training sessions, et cetera, et cetera. That's when it really like kind of clicks in and becomes something different for you. But you don't know what you like until you try it out. And, you know, hopefully this has sort of convinced you to just to go fucking do it. Like there are um there are there are plenty of reasons to not do something. But like all you need is one reason to do it. And I think that I've given you multiple reasons to kind of like throw all your fears, all your hesitations or your concerns kind of behind you and just go fucking do it. Um, And honestly, probably a little bit of that's probably something you should take into your life at least a little bit every single day. Just, uh, you know, just try the thing, you know, eat the cake, um, go go ahead and, and, and interview for that new job, whatever it might be give it a whirl. You never know. You might, you might shock and surprise yourself. All right. So that's it for this episode. Uh, next week we are going to be getting into sports. Uh, I think we're going to end up talking, I haven't, again, haven't quite written this one completely out yet, but I think we're going to end up talking about uh, a little bit of sports gambling. Um, going to go over some of the kind of unique quirks that like the major sporting events, uh, have, um, you know, some, you know, some of the rules, some of the objects or some of the, um, objectives that make each sport different from one another that you may maybe you didn't think about before and uh gonna talk about fan bases as well how those are very very um they might be the epitome of gatekeepers uh sports fan bases so we're gonna get into that next week uh but for this week i'm done here wrapping up thanks everyone for downloading and listening and we will catch you next time